Beat Podcast wird euch präsentiert von Tascam und Focusrite. In 2001, Norwegian duo Röksop released their first single, Apple. At first, a rather modest piece, it quickly made it clear that this is, in a way, a continuation of the 90s idea that very quiet music can be very intense. It's one of those rare tracks that even people who would otherwise only listen to rock music or jazz um, can love electronic music if done right. I recently listened to it again and noticed that it was actually built on a sample, something I didn't know for a very long time. And I was amazed by how creative their use of that sample is and the way they put it all together and kept it interesting for the full running length. It's really remarkable. On the follow-up album, um, Röksorp came up with what is still to date their biggest hit, What Else Is There? It's a piece you'll find regularly on channels like MTV, and it sounds just as fresh as it did the first time around. Since then, they um, continued to release albums for a while, celebrating a lot of success. And then suddenly, they were gone, just as quickly as they'd come, vowing never to return as an album act. So it was with quite some surprise when I heard that in 2022, the duo would return with not just one, but actually three different releases. So, as they are keen to point out in this interview, they did not actually break their vow, because Profound Mysteries is definitely an expansion, not just a repetition of the traditional album format. In a way, it celebrates that format by going far beyond the limits of what that usually entails. Each of these three parts can be listened to as a self-contained unit, but they also relate to each other, plus to the past and their influences, while still sounding entirely up-to-date and fresh. This interview was conducted in the Fluxbau in Berlin, near the River Spree. So that explains why you'll hear some noises in the background. These are actually ships passing by as we were talking about topics like melancholia, death, um, nostalgia, but also production, of course. Enjoy. So as I said, I would like to start with the topic of nostalgia um, because it seems like it was at least a theme, in a way, for the, for the new recordings. Nostalgia, in a way, of course, means not being able to let go and um, not being able to accept the end. But you actually did. You decided that um, at some point there was not going to be another Röksop album. Um, so I'm just curious um, how you look back on that decision from today. Well, I think one has to... Uh add the fact that something has got lost in translation here because we said at some point with re uh, regards to The Inevitable End that The Inevitable End, the album, would be our last traditional uh, album. So when returning with Profound Mysteries, we feel that we kind of stuck to that, that promise because we feel that Profound Mysteries is not a traditional album. However, <laughs> I can clearly say that it's easy to arrest us on that matter. And I guess it was too... I mean, the yeah. funny answer is we lied. Yeah. Uh, or at least a little bit funny. Yeah, not that funny. No, but it's somewhat. Somewhat funny, yeah. The funnier answer would be that we lied, yes. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's tricky to, to let go. And we felt that we had more things we wanted to say within the album format, uh, And it's always been on the Rakes of Bucket List to, to have at least a double album. Uh, so 
combining those two factors, i.e. the promise of not doing a traditional uh, album anymore and also uh, a desire to make at least a double album, we thought, okay, let's go triple and see what happens. I just spoke to Carl Cox, who's also recorded his first album in 10 years, and he said that it just didn't, um, which was a little bit earlier than yours, um, um, that um, he felt like no one was listening to a traditional album. Was that what played into that decision? It it has to do, well, you mentioned Carl Cox, and he's obviously uh, someone who's been around for, for some time, and without any comparison, uh, we, I think it's fair to say that we have possibly grown up under the same conditions and, and with, uh, you know, the traditional <laughs> format of an album. Uh, when we were kids, you would buy a piece of vinyl or a tape and you would play it from A to Z. There was no streaming alternative, obviously. So if you invested your hard-earned money in, in an album, you would listen it to it to death from A to Z. And I think that's just cemented into our very core, our, our DNA when it comes to music. So it's, at least for me, a bit tricky to let go of that. Mm. Um, and, yeah. and there's also an element that we really haven't uh, uh, communicated in any interviews. And to put it bluntly, it's the fact that we really don't care um, about whether it's gonna be a very practical or you know if it would hit the uh, the currents of today in terms of we just don't care we just we just do it there is however a, a, a certain element of the new tech that really benefits us because we feel that we can do both we can we can have this as a triple album and for those who are interested can they can They can get it on vinyl if they want to. And you could still listen to it as if it was an album. At the same time, throughout the year, we're releasing it track by track so that it pops up in your feed if you're interested. And you can get it like you get your normal media nowadays. So we feel that we kind of were in a position to get both. Both the traditional old school way and the new blunted um, attention span way. I, th I think uh, just to go back to what you said about we don't care, it's, it's also a, perhaps more a matter of, of being true to yourself uh, and not subscribing to whatever goes on in the world. The, the only way we can make sure that we are pleased with the outcome, the, the, the end product, is to be true to ourselves. And this is what we wanted to do, regardless of how the world works. It sounds a bit, I guess, uh, persisting, like, or, you know, fight the rules kind of thing, or go against the current. But mm -hmm. at the same time, there's always going to be that little segment that possibly thinks like us and, and do appreciate the fact that there is a, a album and so on. So, yeah, uh, we don't really cater to anyone, really, in all honesty, to anyone else other than ourselves. But also, at the same time, we know that there are possibly likely to be people that feel the same way as us and Carl Cox it would appear yeah interestingly enough when I um, when we talked you also mentioned that his favorite um, artist like album artist was Jean-Michel Jarre which which is very interesting point that you wouldn't expect it but well, it makes it, sense it makes sense and I, again it, I think it has to do with the musical upbringing of well I cannot speak for Carl Cox but I'm, I'm guessing now but because we are 
similar kind of in age and so on. And the things that we grew up with as kids would have been Jean-Michel Jarre, uh, uh, Kraftwerk, uh, Depeche Mode and so on, like the pioneers of electronic music of the uh, 70s and, and 80s. Of course, so it's it's always it's going to be there. That's the reason why we ended up with electronic music. That's the reason why we have a friendship and why we met as kids because we on either side, um, Twitburn has had, had the same preferences as I had, and and that's why we 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 met and had a mutual interest. Interestingly enough, when um, when I saw it was a double album, which is now I believe extended to a triple album. Uh, my thought wasn't that you were actually making like a sort of a playlist album, but I thought it was sort of an, um, a sort of a strong statement in favor of the album. I mean, it's to me, it's it's very much a classic album in the sense that there were double albums in the past with like sprawling, double like like worlds you could actually really immerse yourself in. So it feels like with the possibilities of today of um, releasing something like this, um, it seems like a strong statement in favor of, of the album as a still valid format. Oh, it's, 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 uh, it's a love story, again, as you said, to the, to the, to the format. Again, a format that... Uh, oh, I don't want to make this an age thing. Uh, it's, I'm so afraid of that because you can come across as like the old man. It's like everything was better when I was young. Embrace um, it. I should embrace it, indeed. Which is really not my intention. So I'm just going to steer back to what Wilburn said earlier on, that it's, it's there for those who appreciate that to consume the music as, as an old, uh, you know, like, like an album. Or you could cherry pick your whatever tracks and, and, you know, do that thing. But the reason why, obviously, we, we've made it this way and we, we feel like it's a holistic listening experience with a, with a narrative is clearly has clearly to do with the um, our profound love. Hey, no pun intended. Our profound love for the the album format as we know it. But was there sort of um, def- like a, a moment you can pinpoint to when you said, okay, we will make an album again? Uh, a moment. Uh, we feel that this grows like. Um, like flowers uh, it it's hard to say when when you realize that there's actually something coming up from the ground because the roots have done their part before uh, so that's how it is with us it's on a deep level it's it's a constant living with music and creativity between us so exactly when things uh, take form that has to do with organizing your work Uh, before, because we worked both unorganized and organized. And the unorganized part, that goes on all the time. It's just, it can just be an exchange of two sentence, sentences between Sven and I, and we have something going. Our, the, the gears are, are churning inside our heads, that type of, of thing. And has been a lot of that prior to us actually making a big white poster on the wall drawing lines between song titles and and you know doing the architecture of this project uh, which is a big undertaking i must ad- admit triple album with 10 songs and if i might say so myself no fillers um so was there a date where it became clear to us no it's more like a like a growing plant i'd say yeah it, uh, it's 
this is going to sound very pretentious, which is the way we like it. But it's yeah. <laughs> but it's obviously music. It's not something that is uh, exclusive in our head to that degree that you can just turn it off. It's 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 always kind of on in in our heads uh, because it's such a big part of our lives. So it's always running, I guess, in the subconscious. It's it's always there for whatever reason. It's uh, yeah. It's uh, so. As Tudor said, there's there's no like, and today, 5th of October, we're going to start making music. There's no such thing. It, it's always on. But sorry, yeah, mm. No, it's, but it's, it, it, is, um, it is to compare with, with if, if we did architectures, what we've done so far would be houses. But this time around, it's, um, it's a multi-complex building, which obviously changes more during production than the building of a house. So the whole process has been much more intricate to weave together and uh, the arch of um, the storytelling or world building or whatever it is that we do in this project, Profound Mysteries, has been really important from day one. So tracks have moved from disc one to disc two and, and then back again because a new track came in and sort of the... the, the anatomy of this project is is, um, is kind of richer than anything we've done in the past and uh, so it kind of uh, it never stopped until just just before the release of disc one yes I, I, um, I actually when I try to in a way define the albums in terms of a mood or approach or concept or songwriting structure I actually thought it wasn't that easy I think um, it's not easy to, to say I think at one point you said maybe the yellow one is more dynamic maybe the red one's a bit more introvert it's really in a way it flows in and out of each other it's intertwined it's which I like we obviously, well, staying in the vein of self-centered, pompous sentiment, uh, we we should, at least we try to, to jump. Um, we want it to be holistic, but not boring. Uh, initially, we had a, a clear sort of narrative, and it was more streamlined, I'd say, in terms of its narrative and, and how it was sort of composed together, the, the different parts. But it just felt a bit uh, dull. Uh, it, it, it wasn't challenging enough. Not saying that it's challenging in any way, you know, but challenging um, as a listener. Just, just you know, you want to mix it up, is what I'm saying. I find it boring to listen to an album composing uh, of, let's say, just, you know, one genre. Uh, unless that's exactly what you're going for it's mm. no like it could be nice but it could be really nice but it's not what exactly, we exactly that's are that's right nice. yeah. exactly that's the thing that's not what we are about it's really nice to have an evening with you know minimal techno for eight hours really nice and you can get really deep into that but obviously that's not what profound mysteries is all about so we wanted to to make those however minute contrasts and shifts in terms of of uh, uh, sentiment and, and styles and so on uh, and also tie the three bits together the three parts so they don't feel detached to each other uh, whether we have succeeded I do not know but at least that's what we, we tried to do so I'm, I'm glad if you can find that there is some sort of pat pattern 
although not clear, but certainly a kinship between the, the three parts. Yes. I mean, in terms of the, the albums, there is sort of a, <clears throat> a looking over your shoulder, isn't there? I mean, it, it does refer to, to the past. And um, so I was wondering, is there, was there, where did this nostalgia came from, essentially? Well, I, I think, again, being pompous, uh, we think that the music that we make and everything we do is a representation of whatever given time and place we're in in our lives. And again, sounding pretentious, but it's true. You know, if there's something harrowing happening in your life, you will be uh, colored by it. And, and ultimately, for us being musicians, that would color the music you make. If I lost my legs, I would possibly not make happy hardcore. I would possibly... I think make something else, but that's that's just me. Mm. So oh, the, the word yeah. nostalgia is is um, is is a little bit too weak. I feel for what we are feeling or trying to convey. It's a little bit sort of too easy to pick. It's sometimes we we tell that we make music because we feel that language itself um, has its limitations spoken language, written language, and there's a need for those things that cannot be told in words. And I think these are the things that we are striving for, touching upon. And some of that is, is why, to me at least, the story about the, 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 the makers of memories for replicants in, um, in Blade Runner in, in, the, in the second installment, 2049, that there's actually a person making these memories and they sort of reflect upon any given state of you is really defined by those memories. And, and, and that's something other than nostalgia. It's, it's a little bit more existential, I feel. And just a realization that, that the past has, has made the present. And there's a, there's a loss in that as well. There's a loss and, and almost meaninglessness in the now because you can't change the past. Uh, and it's there, it's, it's almost like for every second of now, it's given to you. Uh, like, a, like, a, like a thing that could have been made by a memory maker if you were a replicant, which I'm pretty sure none of us are. Well. Can't tell. Mm. Who would it be then? Yeah. Then again, who does, or whatever it says, mm -hmm. leaving the unicorn origami, but mm. that's in the present song. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, that was a lot of references to yeah. Blade Runner, but uh, <clears throat> that's just to point at something which is, which is deep within us. There is a longing or a, a, a trying to put into words without putting into wordsness in our music that is very, uh, it has to do with loss. Uh, for sure. Um, yeah, if, if we are going semi-highbrow, I think it's, uh, and again, keeping us pretentious, I think it has to do with <laughs> almost like Ludwig, uh, Ludwig Wittgenstein's lions and, you know, the uh, percep uh, perception and, and so on that, how should I say this? Well, in, when it comes to this, we are the lions, uh, I guess. We don't have the um, vocabulary to although we well let's let's back out of this because it becomes uh, too too tricky we can there's a reason why we work with music and not with words is what we're saying it's easier for us to convey our sentiment and emotions via reverb and hi-hats as opposed to uh, written words yes and 
maybe as a background, why I'm so interested in this interview, um, kind of forcing you into this um, into this pompousness, is because I um, I've never considered myself a nostalgic person or like a backwards-looking person. Um, but we're only being pompous because he thinks we think it will make us rich. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> Somehow. Well, I hope it's working. Then. Um, <laughs> Um, Sorry. No, it's. Um, I just realized that mm. for the past few years, maybe also after the birth of my daughter, which is another mm. like turning point, and um, you mm. start looking back, and um, I find that um, I'm drawn to the past almost, and it, um, and I had a very like move. Something moved me deeply when Klaus Schulze died, and mm. obviously he wasn't like part of a generation with Edgar Fröse dying first. Mm. Which I had kind of expected because I'd seen him in an interview be shortly before, and he looked very fragile and, and, mm. and ill. And then, but Klaus Schulz, I had actually interviewed him myself in person. He was so nice mm. and um, such a gentle person. And then Vangelis dying, mm. and it really affected me. Mm. Um, and I think it made me realize that we connect music to moments when we're alive. Mm. So when that person who creates that music dies, mm. something in us realizes that we will too. And um, I, you know, that's. I don't think it's pompous. I think it's. No? Um, it's and it's like you, you, you can use the word existential, but hmm. in a way, it's very, very primal and. Um, yeah, possibly embedded in some sort of I don't know. Is it the limbic system? Those things yeah. sit. I think, but uh, the. Um, that was kind of what I was hinting at when saying you know whatever we do as artists represents where we are in a given time in our lives and. I don't know your age, but clearly we are not 14 anymore in Turbin and I. So the perspective on life is different uh, when, you know, you see, as you say, uh, people you look up to, whether it being people in, you know, uh, family or whether it being artists or whatever, getting older and potentially passing and so on, it does have an effect on you. You, you, you mortality becomes so much closer when you're eight. You don't think that, or at least I didn't think too much about it. Uh, your own mortality and, and other people and so on and so forth. So the nostalgia, if we can call it that, I can understand. And also there is a uh, that thing, again sounding, coming across like an old man now without any bitterness, but there is a there are less uh, secrets to me now when it comes to music. I don't claim to have a profound knowledge, but certainly I can recognize things that I've seen in the past in modern music, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, I, I wish I could be more sort of amazed, like, oh, I've never heard this before. And for whatever reason, I tend to find the little, the, the little nuggets, the secrets, not necessarily in modern music, but rather in the past. And it's, it's, I don't know why that is. It might just be me and how I'm, um, you know, my, my refer preferences. But um, I think that also has to do, is one of the reasons why we are, as you say, looking a bit towards the past and not necessarily making retro replicas of what has been done before, but certainly borrowing or making, a, a borrowing elements or making a nod to things of the past and genres and styles of the past. That was a long-winded answer, and now I shall pass the mic on to you, Turban. No, I, I for one, um, um, I'd like to hear, I'd like to hear what you had to say, Sven. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was just thinking while Sven was talking about something which is really a trip when it comes to other people's nostalgia, because you can have the nostalgia for a time where you haven't been alive, 
that's evident in young people. A few years ago, there was a peak in synthwave. Mm. And, and to, to look at that, because I, we're both into it. I mean, what, what's not to like? What's not to like? I mean, it's, it's uh, all obviously mostly made so-called in the box with, with uh, plugins and VSTs. Uh, so it's because it's young people, they cannot afford original equipment, which has become ridiculously expensive, like an, like an old Juno or something like that. No, no, no. So it's all in, 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 um, in VSTs, plugins. And they have a, sort of, some sort of nostalgia for a time where they haven't been alive. But we were alive. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's just so, yeah. so weird, because I share the nostalgia that synthwave artists have. And I like the aesthetic, I understand it. But in difference to them, I actually experienced in real time as well. That's a trip. You're part of the nostalgic dream. Mm. <laughs> yes. it's, it's crazy. It's funny. Funny yeah. to me. Mm, I agree, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have nothing to add. I'm just yeah. nodding. Uh, obviously, the microphone can't pick that up, my nodding, but here you go. This is me nodding. I think it's interesting that um, some, like, in, there's a typical journalist question for instrumental artists. There's always, how do you communicate a message in your music? It's instrumental. But I, what I find interesting is probably the, the, my, my favorite track of the two albums is Unity. Um, and it really moves me in a way that doesn't really fit the music. It, the music is very uplifting, I think, in a way. Or most people would characterize it that way. But it, it sort of makes me feel um, beautifully sad, in a way. And um, I, think, I guess that is part of that. It, um, it connects to something. Um, like these themes are, I don't think there's a single um, lyric on these two albums, unless I'm mistaken, which obviously like, like clearly deals with loss. Maybe one exception, sorry. But um, I think all of the other ones are, I mean, you could read the lyrics and they don't, they don't seem to make it like this, 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 this theme of loss obvious. Mm. It's mm. not that concrete. It's really interesting to me. Well, there, there's, there's this thing that we didn't invent, but it's part of who we are as artists. And it's the duality of um, some sort of energetic call to action juxtaposed to some sort of sorrow and that's uh, a reflection on on how Sven and I operate on an emotional level I believe because we we, we tend to uh, f have feelings which are not monophonic they are just polyphonic feelings like bittersweet <laughs> like chords in our hearts rather than single tones um, so that's that's why it's like that, and, and that's we don't always make these kind of juxtapositions in our music, but some of our best tracks have that. Mm -hmm. I don't know why we don't do it all the time, but I guess to mix, I guess, it, mix I guess, it up, I guess. I, yeah, well, mm -hmm. I, I guess it's, it, it perhaps uh, demands a bit. It's it's somewhat trickier, I think, yeah. at least, to convey a certain ambiguity or whatever you want, like multi-layered uh, uh, message or sentiment as opposed to, you know, make a, a hardcore track where the message is very clean cut yeah. and, and plays in, in synchronization. Yeah. So, you know, as you say with Unity, I, I appreciate what you say and I, I concur, I agree. And that's what we, we want to do. I think there is a certain touch of melancholy in, in quite a lot of our music. Or melancholy is, 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 is too bluesy because yeah. it's not blues, but there's a 
touch of, of some sort of uh, uh, tristesse, uh, as they say in the French, uh, to, to, to what we do. Even the chirpy tunes has a bit of that, you know, a slight little thing. Um, so I understand what you're saying, and I don't know whether it's... I think there's an element of longing in our music, again, a bit pompous, but I think there is. Um, I think there's, uh, we touch upon things like doubt and uncertainty, and to a certain extent, as you say, loss, feelings that are somehow linked to um, together in, in, I don't know why that is, but it, it seems like a sentiment that we often return to, doubt, longing, mm. and, and, and a touch of sadness. And, and yeah, it's, it's like the curse of the racing mind, uh, the, the mind that never rests, like on, on your best day, your exam day, you went, you, you just, you passed with excellent degrees, you're celebrating with hands in the air and you suddenly remember that your aunt is really ill. Uh, that type of thing that, that's always, it's never a, a hooray, it's like a hooray minus or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess in a way it's also because the, the pop song as a format doesn't resolve. I think that's its strength. It sort of mm. it, it gives you one moment and then mm. it, it, it's, it doesn't resolve. It just mm. it's that feeling. Mm. And then but dance music you dance through it. Mm. So it's sort of a an, in in itself it's sort of a conf, like like um, a contradiction. Mm. Um, if you yeah. if you go to a to a club and you you dance all night, it's sort of at the end nothing happened. But but sort of problems can suddenly no longer seem that big. Mm. That is true. That is true. I agree. It's true. It has to do with doing. Doing yeah. just is, is a solution to so many things. And, and that's probably why there's so many... My pet theory at, at this very second. Uh, <laughs> Spur the moment theory. Uh, Postulate, it, well, uh, rather. Yeah. I believe that depression in young people is, is uh, on the rise and has been for some time. Uh, at least I'd read that. It was some studies going on with that and that has to probably has to do with inactivity because um, as you say coming together like that or something which is unrelated being out in nature doing things it helps a lot uh, with negative feelings and you you solve things through doing unrelated tasks that's for sure mm. yeah no it's 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 quite evident to me at least but I'm obviously not the uh, the example for humanity, but uh, certainly uh, it works for me. Just having that little walk, that mm. doing, it clears the mind, and, and I just feel happier after a walk. Mm. As simple as that. Is your studio located in nature? Is it uh, I wish. I, yeah, would I, I wish we, we. Let's lie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Our studio is nature because yes. we actually make all the music outdoors. Uh, in the marshlands. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> um, uh, my favorite is to. Uh, we have uh, a lake mm -hmm. with several islands on them mm -hmm. and there are different equipment on each island mm -hmm. and we have to swim between the islands mm -hmm. to record the different parts and we have an, another bigger island with a helicopter pad and that's where all the vocalists fly in mm -hmm. and to get to that island Mm. We have to bribe people. I think it would have been better. You should have done the um, like a zip line, but yeah. in an MC Escher kind of uh, the, yeah, the, wa the water that always yes. sort of yeah, exactly. slides downwards. Exactly, yeah. so you always go that way. Yeah. So that's that. That's what we have. I just realized we now. have that. We yeah. have that. Yes, we have uh, <laughs> challenged the laws of physics. Yes, 
but to be more truthful in our answer, <laughs> uh, we do both uh, live kind of nature uh, in a, in a uh, somewhat a closeness, yeah, yeah, to to nature and and uh, open scenery. I think. Uh, I don't even think I know because I chose it. I chose to to live near the. I need to see the the, the ocean and I need to have trees and and that's kind of stuff uh, close to me in order to to breathe, yeah. as they say. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's talk about three of the tracks uh, in like a bit bit more specific. Um, denim clad baboons. Mm -hmm. Is that is that um, would you say an, a, like a, a reference to Apple? It's clearly a reference to the uh, yeah the the birth of Rakes Up, uh, and I think that even goes in the name. Uh, uh, that that's just me. But yeah, it's it's very. Um, you've used the phrase looking back, and and certainly we there is a uh, as I said uh, several times now nods to the past, not only um, other artists but also our own past. Uh, what we have done on there's nods to uh, the understanding the album the understanding and nods to melody am and and clearly then i'm clad baboons for those who are uh, have the esoteric ear such as yourself clearly uh, will note that the production of it is is very much in vain of of uh, melody am in its crunchy semi-distorted uh, <laughs> soundscapes sorry mm -hmm. well it's also something about um, well, we, I have to take care not to be too, too sort of music theory technical here, but something called quantization, mm -hmm. which has been coming surprisingly popular in music, which are not even electronic music, just pop music. It's all quantized. And if you go and make the so-called more wonky style beat, mm -hmm. it's Not, uh, nowadays in 22 it sounds just so in the past so we need for someone else which are younger um, to spearhead uh, something which is less quantized mm. so that it becomes um, fresh again mm. because uh, we like that too we, we like very, very much why not both kind of people when it comes to this we like the sort of offbeat sort of When, when it's more organic and it's, it's not so strict. But we also like the strict, uh, tight, uh, quantized beats. But I think that's one of the things that make denim-clad den baboons sound so much past is, is the offbeatness of the melodies. And it's, it's really not hitting. Mm. It's, it's a little bit yeah, looser. The, the deliberate sloppiness is yeah. something that we like. The... the uh, Intentional flaws, mm. uh, if but, you but it's it, mm. it's so strange to think that in 22 mm. it just sounds deliberate sloppiness just mm. sounds old. Yeah, when you when you produce uh, it, it sounds like mm. this is made in a different um, exactly. Uh, well, era. Yes, yeah, spirit. Yeah. In 2022, you have an app to yeah, uh, exactly. You press a button and then you have yeah. sloppiness. Exactly. Well, yeah. that would have been nice. I th and I think whenever because there are certain producers that uh, are younger ones, if we can mm. be that old, and I think we should. Because we are, uh, when they when they go for the wonkiness, the unquantized, they go too far. They don't they, nail it. They don't nail it. it it's overboard. It's, mm. you know, uh, I think if you listen to, the, I guess particularly hip hop of the '90s and and sort of early 2000s, where they perfected how to, you know, just shut or move beats around. Just again, not being too technical. We're talking about microscopic movements. Here. Exactly. Yeah. yeah mm. Just with the MPCs, just. 
mm, nudge things. Um, uh, they nailed it, uh, mm. it must be said. And obviously, again, we have that little legacy with us, uh, not to the same extent, perhaps, but when young producers these days do it, they tend to just go too far. So mm. it just it doesn't yeah. sit together. It's, yeah, it, it's just know. like an announcement for wonkiness itself rather than being musical. Exactly. It's Yeah, it becomes a novelty, like a shtick. Like, yeah. look at us, how, how delayed is this snare? Like, ooh, too much, sir. Exactly. I think what, 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 um, in Apple, the sloppiness, I think, came from the fact that it was actually a sample, right? Um, Often. Um, mm. Mm. But not necessarily, though. I think the, the, some, you know, it was fun how back in the day can go. Well, if you go to, let's say, a genre like breakbeats uh, of the early 90s, I think that was the case. You had people who kind of didn't know what they were doing, who just pieced things together and did sloppy cuts in their samples and they didn't hit the, the, the um, transients and so on. So you had that sort of, mm. they sampled a bit of James Brown, who was obviously not quantized, mm. and then they added a quantized four to the floor kick drum and so on. Mm. So it became that wonkiness undeliberately. Mm. But certainly with the best of the hip-hop producers, for instance, if it, you it's take more some, deliberate. It's, or, yeah. I think Dr. Dre, certainly some of his stuff is mm. quite deliberate, I think. Yeah, but the, the, the use of samples um, or, or the lack of use of samples today yes. is obviously <clears throat> a, a big loss in terms mm. of artistic... If you view it from... If you skip the economic obvious mm. side of it, mm. why it's like that, um, and just that's something that, that I really wish was in there because it it prompts people to mm. uh, maybe, maybe maybe even the sample wouldn't be perfectly in tune mm. but you kind of like it but you wouldn't have done it deliberately it's just something that comes to you like a little gift from uh, mm. from creativity itself when mm. you sample and it's it's a pity it's a shame that it's I mean, not it's, more samples you, you couldn't have uh, well let's stick to dr dre you couldn't have uh, black streets no diggity without the sample mm. and and the 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 kick drum which is obviously saying which with like 10 different transients and and also mm. the snare mm. or the clap or whatever you want to call it it's a sample and that you know couldn't have been made without that being a sample and so on and so forth there's mm. no baseline to it it's just the kick and the snare no there's so, a yeah. there's a whole um, industry of people making something that's supposed to sound like soul samples Mm. Um, that you can buy in packs, which is something that people make uh, and, and tr play with uh, v Rhodes VSTs, put on some um, vinyl crackle, <laughs> maybe an organ in the background and a choir sample in the background. Mm. But these all are just too perfect and mm. in tune mm. to serve that purpose that we're mm. talking about. It doesn't become an Al Green sample just because you have that thing. Yeah, it it's a little be, bit too uh, deliberate. So uh, to me, the way I perceive and feel it, I, it's just like um, when you drink diet something and uh, you have that sugary feeling and then you realize it's not really there. So you get some sort of hole in your experience. Mm. That's what I get with these manufactured samples mm. it's getting us there but it doesn't serve that same purpose it doesn't fill mm. um, yeah uh, so please make it make it easier to someone make it easier to sample <laughs> and, and not sue people uh, just 
just sample more. It's it's great. It's great, and also uh, I think now that every true crime on Netflix has that same the the color palette you describe mm. <laughs> with the with the crackling and the uh, sort of fluctuating yeah. bending yeah. or yeah. LFO. Oh, yeah, that's old. Old, oh, it's yeah. old. It's got to be nineteen eighty six. Yeah, it's lost its purpose. I find. So the but the, I think one of them either the yellow or the red one it does start with vinyl crackle, doesn't it? But so it's a true yeah, vinyl crackle. Yeah, so it's true vinyl crackle. Of course, that's true. Oh, everything we do is real. <laughs> that's the word of the streets. Uh, it is actually vinyl crackle from yeah. from uh, from some sample drums. Okay. So it's it's from directly from vinyl. From the drums which we use on the track in the intro, yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe just to close this off. Um, could I we just do add, by the way, yes. the, on that specific, the drum, we, it's deliberate, like everything we do, that it's so poorly, which mm. is kind of what you said, uh, cut the, the hi-hats particularly. Yeah. It's done, deli- and the sloppy programming on denim club baboons, mm. clearly done with the uttermost uh, intention, yes. that it's like, it's, yeah. it's, it's struggling. Anyway. Yes, actually, um, because... Um, Apple actually doesn't sound sloppy in the same way. I think no. it doesn't sound sloppy at all. It actually no. sounds really... Yeah. I think it's incredible use of that sample. I, I didn't know it was a sample mm. until very recently. I just always mm. assumed and I asked myself, how do you come up with that melody? Mm-hmm. Even if you know it's a sample, it's still, I think, very creative. Um, yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's not a sample, like uh, sampling exactly. something and putting on, yeah. uh, on a 40 to the floor kick, which is obviously also called sampling. But the art, also fine. yeah, the art of sampling. Uh, it, I don't think there is a limit to it. Mm. Um, sort of the micro sampling experts, which uh, they, they, some people go completely crazy mm. with sampling like hundreds of bit, bits of music mm. in one bar mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So there's an, yeah. Thank you for saying that. And and we 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 truly believe it is an art form, a lost art form. Mm. And obviously it's a matter of context. If I took mm-hmm. eight bars of Michael Jackson and put a kick drum on it, I, it's, you know, uh, it's a sampling, but it's, it's not that great because mm-hmm. possibly the track I sampled, let's call it Beat It, was great mm-hmm. uh, initially, so I didn't do that much. But mm-hmm. if I somehow managed to chop it around, shuffle it, do something with it that puts it into a different context, mm-hmm. uh, context yeah. it's, it's, it's a different animal. It should almost be two categories. Sampling something that's already great, Mm-hmm. If you just looped it, it would be great. Mm. That's one thing. And sampling something which kind of doesn't really make sense and mm-hmm. making it into something great. That's a different layer of sampling, yeah. a different category, I'd say. Mm. Okay, the second one I had picked was Sorry, which is probably my second favorite track of the, uh, of the two albums. <clears throat> um, I think this one also starts with this, like a field recording. I think the, the different field recordings which lead into the tracks and lead out of the tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, without giving away everything, where were they taken from? Is it uh, like, do you have an archive of, of stuff or were there specific recordings from a specific place for a specific purpose, like for a specific track? It differs. We, we do have a bit of a, uh, without coming across as too much OGs or, or you know, back in the day, but we have been ever since we met uh, as kids. We um, a friend of ours, uh, whom we also made music with when we were kids. Uh, he had a portable DAT player 
you know, like this Sony Datman thing. And we did field recordings, uh, or we actually did recordings with the intention of sampling it. But it's, um, it was that thing where you had to learn. Like, I think we started by throwing uh, stones into, or rocks rather, into water and smashing bottles and those kind of things, thoughting that we were geniuses. But it turned out that those kind of samples were rubbish and utterly useless. But then we discovered that the the ambience recordings, i.e. field recordings, really worked nice. Uh, and at the same time, we had people like um, uh, um, the ambient artist Biosphere, who's from Tromsø, who, you know, is pretty darn good at it. So that's been in our head ever since that time. So we have a, quite a vast library and we still do field recordings and record uh, our own little samples. But whether or not we, whether they are new or old, uh, it's all a matter of whether they fit in the context, I find. Yeah, uh, when it comes to field recordings, we, we, can, we, can, we don't really care too much about the source. <coughs> there's, someone, there's some places online you can find great field recordings. And yeah. on Profound Mysteries, it's a good mix of our own and, and things that we've just found online. Yeah, and uh, I have to say, bought online. <laughs> yes, that's that's Very, true. We we pay the we pay the uh, the if we uh, use it, we pay the uh, the uh, the, people the people who do it. Yes, yes, that is true. But yeah. yeah. I lost track. Where were we? Sorry. When, uh, when I heard the opening bars of that uh, piece, sorry, I um, I had two associations. The first one was um, Night Porter by Japan, and the second one was Sati. I don't know. Do you draw from um, like influences from outside pop music and uh, like that a lot? Yeah, Eric Eric Sati is an interesting thing. Um, apparently, uh, that kind of music was really frowned upon by the some people from the upper class when it came out uh, when their offspring went on to learn piano and came home and played Eric Satie there was a big faux pas in many societies like this isn't really music you should not be playing that and and uh, and to see the sort of um, I guess one of these it's a um, they're used in memes it's everywhere um, and for some reason Obviously, when people say Eric Satie with the, the beginning of Sorry, it, it, yeah, it's, it makes sense. But that song originally was for strings only, and it sounded completely different. But we found the piano was what worked with the voice the most. So it's, it became all stripped down. I never realized how much it could resemble Eric Satie. No, just to, to as you say, it yeah. started out with a, a more sort of, this is, we established a chord with mm. strings, mm. but this, that string section is, is removed, so we stripped it further and further down to the core. Mm. And yeah, so, that, so that's kind of how it became that way. But back to what you asked, uh, we, uh, I'd say quite evidently and clearly, uh, go beyond our own genre, what, whatever that might be, in terms of our influences. And uh, yeah, we've always had a, a keen ear to whether it being classical composers um, such as Satie, or whether it's neoclassical, like I don't know, uh, Michael Nyman or Philip Glass or whatever. Um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah uh, Arnolds from from Iceland and so on. It's it's it, you know it's 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 all there. We are. As I said before, music is always there, and I can easily listen to uh, 60s soul just as much as, I don't know, uh, Arvo Pat. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, you know, just just that's, yeah. that's, yeah. um, no If it's good and if it gives you something, then you should go for it. It's a really beautiful piano sound. Is, is it a real piano or is it um, um, sample? Is th that's one of the things to, uh, we, I think we can give away for free uh, because we've reached peak piano now. It, it's it's so. uh, as a musical society we've experienced peak piano, mm. uh, so it's on the decline. But mm. this is a free VST from. Uh, is it Spitfire? It's Spitfire, yeah. yeah. It's their fast piano, mm. but obviously with a processing chain which is uh, on Ableton. If you have to scroll through it, it's like five meters long. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and it's also as you know, uh, if if you make music or deal within VSTs, there are certain places on the on the mm -hmm. piano roll where a sound sounds good, mm -hmm. like certain frequencies as it is. Mm -hmm. This is where it sort of plays, and as soon as you transpose it, just a note, mm -hmm. it's, oh, this is rubbish, it doesn't play at all. So, I think we found a sweet spot. For, yeah, for yeah, no, yeah it's, it's nominated to best use of the free VST um, No, it's not. You should I continue the lie. I was yeah. to <laughs> go on. Yeah, yeah. Please go lie. On, go on. Yes. Lie Spitfire has uh, awarded us with um, a diploma of best use of uh, of the free VST felt piano. So it's it's not a, like it's not a multi multi layered thing. It's the the, the it's, it's, it must be like an, as you said, there must be an enormous sort of uh, space and reverb created for this piano to have this yeah it is it's a long processing chain as as one says in industry. Mm. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, 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 I, I guess it's that one thing where we. This is kind of what we like to do, and it is to shape sounds. Uh, it's it's just fun. It's <laughs> it's it's what we, that's why we do this. It's uh, you know you 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 get a kick drum and you go. I, I just have to do something with it, and you just oh, I mm. need to take this one out and that frequency up and compress it a bit more, make it a bit longer. Mm. No, make it shorter, and mm. the transient needs to go up or down or whatever. We, we have to do some, there has to be some sort of involvement. I don't know if it's like OCD or whatever it is, but. Yeah. Um, uh, and a yeah. fun fact about, sorry, that we touched upon a little, little bit, the track, sorry. Uh, mm. It's, um, sorry, I meant to say the track called sorry. There you go. Sorry about that. Uh, the track? Yeah. Uh, it is a deleted song sort of hidden behind the song uh, that we hinted uh, hinted to it's it's a lot of strings and and um, actual you know recordings of a whole orchestra which just mm -hmm. we we it didn't help the vocals there's there's only a viola and double bass left there's a double bass yeah, yeah. and perhaps one yeah no viola yeah, yeah. yes i have to th think in english yes, yes. viola that so is true yes it's, it, it, all uh, yeah. that stuff existed at some point. I guess it has to do again with, as I said, the, the, the compulsive uh, behavior. We, we want to try option A and B and C and, uh, you know, what, what works, what justifies the track, what, what's the best end result. And Sorry is one of those examples where we have, I'd say, three different kind of versions, but we, we, we landed on the one you hear where, we, where it's more... Uh, pull back, I guess, because but it, com it becomes bigger sometimes when you take exactly. things away. Exactly, because you think big string section that mm. makes it big. Mm. Uh, but uh, as we delete the track by track, it the track just grew, and yeah. at the end, as you pointed out, it's only the sparse piano left. Mm. That sounds the biggest of it all. 
Yeah, uh, and it just gives it more, uh, in my head, uh, credibility to the lyrics and everything and more space and um, less sugary, I thought, uh, and, and therefore also more gravitas and so on and weight. Uh, what I particularly love about this one is um, towards the end, because mm. when it starts going into this sort of um, mm. repeated coda, mm. um, there's an, um, like a really subtle um, chord shift, mm. which I love. And mm. um, how do you see this um, like relative importance of sound versus composition? As you said, maybe you have OCD in terms of sound. I think mm. it pays off. Mm. But of course, as a creator, it sometimes can be... Mm almost hard to come go through um, that's why we are two people so that mm. one can tell the other all right let's <laughs> move the hell yeah. off away from this tambourine yeah yes but it just seems Sorry. to me that uh, quite often in electronic music the sound part is overemphasized to the cost of <coughs> at the cost of um, the composition how do you see that yourself well, well I, I, I don't yeah. know yeah you, uh, you mentioned chord and chords when when we intro uh, because it's it's easier to make more traditional music and and uh, have more chord changes throughout the song. But for some reason that I really cannot, cannot explain, we don't want that. When we do have a chord change, we want it to hit hard. Uh, we want it to hit profoundly. Uh, and that's that's why we, do, we, we search for the best sort of progression that we have. And it's very often looped throughout the whole song. And it's no problem for us to change up the chords, to, to make some sort of more traditional variation in the music. Like music has been written for thousands of years. Can't have the same chords. It's just, why? When, when it's so easy to, to change it up. But for some reason, it kind of lessens the aesthetic message for us to, to throw in chord changes willy-nilly but that particular change it just says something mm -hmm. they want in sorry it's just once yeah. and, and it's not it that just, pronounced but mm. it does does as you say it it strikes you if, if you pay attention to it so i think it has to do also with necessity like certain genres uh, you know you can it becomes show-offy Look what I can do. I can go from this chords uh, progression to this one and that one, but it doesn't feel necessary. So, and in terms of what we want to convey, we often, as Turman said, we this is enough. These two chords or whatever four, they say sufficiently. There's enough here to be said. So that's why I think. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think perhaps like an old dog is where we have. Well, it's yeah. That's that's for some reason that has like 158 chords, <laughs> but but it uh, in a matter of 30 feels, seconds. It feels like two chords. It feels I, like two chords, but yeah. it's it, I guess it's like a, a, a like a, a, what's it called inversions and so on. But uh, I, yeah, um, yeah. But it it also climbed it chromatically climbed. downwards exactly. all the time. But it's, there it felt uh, necessary and, you know, I don't know how, it's, it's strange to, to sort of, we don't need to justify the artistic no. choices, but it's, it's a feeling. It's, it's as simple and cheesy as that. It's a feeling like, is this necessary to go there? No, it's fine with these chords. Let's, let's mm. do that. Was there a version without it? In, in sorry in this particular uh, no I think that was the crux where um, yep. uh, yes. where what you are trying to say is becoming crystallized mm. and we were when because we 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 write the vocal melodies and, and, and lyrics and so on as well we felt that 
as Thurman said, if there was, yeah, the, the crux, the, the uh, <laughs> would that be the contrapunct? I don't know, but it's, uh, but it's like the, 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 the change. This is, this is where we, this is where we are going. We want to land. That's, that's that point. So, uh, yeah, it felt like the, the right thing to do. Yeah. Actually, we're running slowly out of time, so I'm going to skip the third one and oh, go sorry. to our final... I'd like to ask one final question in mm -hmm. each of the interviews, which is... Um, these days, there's a lot of talk about the um, overlaps between craftsmanship and music. Mm -hmm. And um, like areas which would usually be considered, I don't know, a public service only, um, can also be considered art. Um, do you think that something like making a really good cup of coffee can be um, compared or can be as expressive as making a piece of music? Um, um, if from some perspective, even more so. Uh, because um, it's the, the, the coffee making is, is a, it's a social experience. Uh, whereas sitting alone making music, I guess for some artists we will find there's already artists that are drawing pictures that find that AI can replicate their works. Have you seen that? Mm -hmm. uh, and that's probably coming to music at some point. And as we jokingly say, we are trying to make music that's the hardest for the AI to emulate. Um, which I truly believe that we are somehow successful in. Particularly with this project, which is fairly... Particularly intense. with this project, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think so. Um, uh, but we are not necessarily uh, so comfortable with throwing around definitions of the word art. Uh, sometimes we refer to what we do as, well, in our art, we da -da -da, and don't give it a second thought. And sometimes it feels more apt to say, if you can call it art, as a, a caveat to what we're saying. Uh, so we, I, I'm totally comfortable with leaving that distinction up to others. But the, what's traditionally called artisan, uh, you know, the, the, the craftsmanship is uh, increasingly valuable in a more digital age. And it's just, it feels a social function that art cannot fill because art by itself is a little bit more lonely, the creator and then sort of the, the sharing. Whereas... That's interesting. Yeah. Yes. That's true. I think, uh, I think also on a very general sort of uh, sense of the word, I think we, we like experts, people who mm. are, have a very narrow field. That's a soft spot we have. And that can be, I have an expertise in hats or in you know, knowing uh, oranges and so on. We, we love that sentiment that someone is a, a, has an expertise that you don't necessarily understand. And also you then also go questioning whether it's just a hoax or a charade or are they true experts and I cannot fathom what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So we have a, I think it's fair to say that we have a fondness for that where you don't really know whether they are a poser or a genius within their field. And I, I like that, uh, I mm. like, like to, to yeah, that thing, that notion. And we obviously are posers in that regard. End of interview. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs>